Lamar Jackson had an MVP type of performance in week 15 against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but should he be considered the MVP favorite? We talk about that and so much more coming up next here on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here and making Locked On Ravens your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all podcasting platforms. That includes over in video form on YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We're a five-day-a-week Ravens podcast, and obviously sometimes more. We do live streams after every Ravens game. We did one last night after the Ravens clinched the playoffs, defeating the Jacksonville Jaguars 23-7 to in Week 15. So a very luxurious victory Monday for us here today. You can subscribe on YouTube, follow along in audio form to our show as well. Really appreciate both the audio and video communities. And you're not missing out if you're watching in video form one day. Maybe you want to watch an audio form the next or listen in audio form the next. You can do that. You're not missing out on any content. I appreciate everybody who is tuned in every single day here and is an everydayer to the show. Maybe you have a couple of days that you listen a week, or maybe it's your first time, and I appreciate you for tuning in as well. We do analysis, news updates, tell a friend, tell a family member, and it's Watermouth's still a big thing, so be sure to tell people that we are here for them on Locked on Ravens. We're going to be talking about the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Lamar Jackson here today, and of course we are, because he had an MVP-type performance, and I think some people understand the, the gravity of what we saw on Sunday night in that game against Jacksonville, but I don't think others do. I think some do and some don't. So I want to get into why that was an MVP performance and why, in my opinion, he should be in the um, – the point is a two-team race, right? We'll talk about that, but why he should be the favorite, albeit probably by a very slight margin considering what we have coming up in week 16. So we'll talk about Lamar, but then we'll also get into a Ravens and Jaguars recap. Obviously just talking in general about what the game was, who did well, who didn't. If, if you want a instant reaction, be sure to check out our stream from last night, or I guess early this morning, 12 a.m. when we went live. And also we will talk about Keaton Mitchell, the unfortunate news from Sunday's game where Keaton Mitchell is going to be done for the season. John Harbaugh reveals. So we'll talk about how Baltimore can replace him. So let's talk about Lamar. I mean, first we'll get into the stats right now. 14 to 24, 171, one touchdown, one interception. That does not stream MVP level, right? The, the passing yards, the completion percentage on those throws there, you know, only one touchdown. That's not screaming MVP. Now, he did also have, just for reference, 12 carries or 97 yards, averaged 8.1 yards per carry. But this is why, to me, the people who watch box scores, the box score watchers, right, people who only look at the passing yards and the passing touchdowns and all of that, I don't think that they understand the full game. Because, look, I'm not trying to take away anything, not nothing, not one thing from what Brock Purdy's been doing this season. Nothing from what Brock Purdy did on Sunday, right? 16 to 25 for Brock Purdy against the Cardinals. 
with four touchdowns, 242 passing yards there for him. So again, I'm not taking away from it, but for Lamar, it's it's a different type of, you know, how does Lamar help his team compared to how does Brock Purdy help his team? It's different. Both guys are great players. Both guys help their team. But my thing with the MVP, and I know it's not taken this way every single season. I mean, obviously, if you talk about MVP it, for the past, you know, probably for the entirety of LeBron James's career, save about maybe five or six years, he should have won MVP if it's most valuable player. But the term, the three words, most valuable player in today's NFL, if you were to take anybody off their team and see the drop off from when they were on the team versus when they were off, when they were playing versus when they won't, we have seen it. We have seen it with our own eyes, and it's been unfortunate we've had to. But Lamar Jackson, to me, is the most valuable player. Now, when talking about performance, I mean, I'll pull up some stats from, you know, I'm recording this before the stats have been updated for the most part for quarterbacks for this week. But, you know, last week's stats are all the same. Brock Purdy comes in fourth in passing yards compared to Lamar being tied for 14th passing touchdowns. Brock Purdy comes in third. I think now he he might be first, honestly, now or maybe second behind Jared Goff. But then Lamar was 17th. And then you look at things like touchdown percentage, like those are the things, like Brock Purdy number one, Lamar number 16. But then completion percentage, I mean, Lamar's there tied for, he's at number eight or tied for eight, Brock Purdy number one. So again, it, it comes down to me where, look, Lamar is still a top six quarterback in average air yards per attempt. He's a top five quarterback, or actually top four. He's tied for fourth in yards per attempt. I mean, this is a player that, to me, passing yards don't tell nearly the whole story, and we can talk about that because we saw it again on Sunday night where Gus Edwards vultures a touchdown from Lamar. So when you're talking about, oh, Lamar passing touchdown-wise, he only has 16 passing touchdowns this season, and then you look across the way and you see, oh, hey, that, that guy Gus Edwards there, he, he scored a couple touchdowns this season, and some people might say, oh, just a couple. Oh, he only has like four. No, Gus Edwards has 11 touchdowns this year. He has 11 touchdowns, and so if you put – I mean, I'm not saying Gus would have no touchdowns this season. If, you know, he was there, he'd probably have a few, right? But those 11 would put Lamar ahead of Brock Purdy for touchdowns, 27 compared to 25 heading into the Week 14 – or Week 15 games, excuse me. But you look at what Lamar did on the field on Sunday night. Again, the box score stats won't wow you, but I saw precision. I saw patience. I saw – a guy who was just dicing up a defense left and right for the most part. Didn't have the one bad interception. But this is a player that teams just can't get down. And this was a performance where he made multiple highlight plays. He, again, Jacksonville was having so much trouble getting him actually down on the ground. They had a couple sacks, but he was bobbing and weaving and dodging and, and doing all this stuff, creating time for himself. And the more the difference between him creating time for himself over the first five years of his career versus this year, I, as I talked about, I just sense a lot more patience from him where he's able to create space for himself, create time. But instead of either darting to run or trying to rush or throw, look, this is year six for Lamar. The game has definitely been slowing down for him. And I think he's just understanding different things that maybe he didn't get in his first couple of years. And that's look, it's common, right? Every young player has those moments where they learn, they make mistakes. Lamar had plenty but now he's trying to find the open man, let sure, make sure his receivers can get open and just make sure his guys can help him out and not trying to do everything himself. He still runs when he has to, right? He still does that, but he has been very vocal and very open about, hey, I like to throw the football. I'm going to throw. 
And so Brock Purdy's doing great things in San Francisco, right? He is 100%. He is, he is a finalist for the MVP. It's going to be him and Lamar, right? Dak Prescott had a bad game against Buffalo. He was probably the favorite or at least one of them. But I just, I want the award to be more than just, oh, look, here is pure passing yards. Here is pure passing touchdowns. It should be a lot more than that. And look, frankly, if the award was that, Lamar wouldn't win it because that's not how the Ravens offense goes about things, not how they produce their points and produce their yards. But Lamar has been an efficient quarterback, and he's been somebody that helps the Ravens win week in and week out. And if you take him off the team, if you take him out of that offense, to me at least, that Jacksonville game becomes a lot different, and the whole season obviously becomes a lot different. So I thought Lamar was really, really good in this game and made really great decisions across the board for the most part, right? Again, a couple of, couple of mistakes here and there. But I was very impressed with him. And look, it's prime time. It's a game where you clinch the playoffs. The Ravens are the number one seed in the AFC, the first team to clinch the playoffs in the AFC. I mean, they've been doing great things all year. And has the offense been as consistent as it could be? No. Have there been some mistakes and some growing pains? Sure, absolutely. But I think that Lamar, to me, although it's very slight right now, I do think he is the favorite in my eyes, but look, you look at the stats and it's slight. It's it's like literally Lamar, 99% Brock Purdy, 98, if you want to put it that way, it's all going to come down to next week. If we're being honest or this upcoming week now against the 49ers, I think whoever wins that game probably wins the MVP. It's, it's just how it goes. I mean, you talk about basketball <laughs> very briefly, Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid played Jokic in Philly last year, had a great performance hit a game dagger three right at the end in Jokic's face. And then he didn't, he didn't play in Denver. And a lot of people remembered that great performance he had in Philly head to head against Jokic. And that was some of the reason they won MVP last season, despite both being deserving. So I think Lamar and Brock are both definitely deserving. And again, when I look at MVP, I think if you take Lamar off the Ravens versus if you take Brock Purdy off the 49ers, the Ravens are probably a top 10 drafting team, maybe top 14. Don't make the playoffs. Where the 49ers, I think, with their roster, you could plug some guys in there at quarterback and they could still take them probably to the Super Bowl. So that's for me, but there are a lot of factors that go into it. But regardless, Lamar did have a definite MVP performance against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And coming up in the second part of the show, we'll talk about that Ravens and Jaguars game, recapping it, talking about some of those other players who did well for the Ravens. So be sure to stay tuned, plan to talk about it on the show. First, this show is brought to you by LinkedIn. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. And for me, I've had a ton of great experiences over on LinkedIn, whether it's been looking for jobs, connecting with people, networking. LinkedIn Jobs has everything you need. And it's also really important to have quality candidates to interview and to hire. And LinkedIn makes it really easy to find them. LinkedIn isn't just on the job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which make it the best place to hire. And hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to push your job for free. Start your conditions apply. We're back. It's our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Oshaker still talking with you here about the playoff bound Baltimore Ravens. They will be representing or one of the teams representing the AFC 
come playoff time. And who knows, maybe it'll be in the one seed. They are looking increasingly likely to get that, but the season is not over. Job is not finished, as, as many people like to say. But let's talk about the Ravens and Jaguars game from, again, just a general recap perspective here. And again, seven points of this Jacksonville Jaguars offense led by Trevor Lawrence. And I just, the, the takeaway for me, or at least one of them, is that Jacksonville is, is so sloppy. They're, they're such a sloppy team. And that's not to say the Ravens didn't play well. I'm not trying to say, oh, well, Jacksonville played so bad. And so the rate was easy. No, it was a hard fought game, but it was mistake after mistake after mistake, mainly for the Jacksonville offense, who really just could not get anything going. And when they did, they just couldn't capitalize. Two missed field goals by Brandon McManus early. Trevor Lawrence just literally drops the ball. I have no other explanation for what happened there. Did it later in the game too, after getting sacked by Justin Matabike, although that one was a little more forced. But then you have other guys too on Jacksonville, just making a mistake here, a mistake there. And some of the decisions, the end of the half clock management, from Jacksonville was just brutal. It was a, a play where Marcus Williams makes a tackle out. The guy was in bounds. The Jacksonville receiver was in bounds and clock runs out. They don't get any points after taking it down to Baltimore's what we're around like the five yard line. We mentioned Lamar Keaton Mitchell. will get to in the final part of the show, but he did have nine carries for 73 yards. Gus Edwards had 16 for 58 and that touchdown but, I mean, receiver-wise, Isaiah likely was the guy. Five for 70 and a touchdown and had a – it was incredible. An absolutely incredible play where Lamar, again, he kind of escapes, ducks out, and then throws up a ball. It's kind of a prayer. was not the uh, was not the safest throw I've ever seen Lamar Jackson have. But Isaiah likely goes up, mosses two defenders, and uh, the rest is history. Takes some shots, too. I mean, it was a Lamar to Mark Andrews-esque play. Isaiah Likely is growing right before our eyes here, and it's very cool to watch. So Likely was big for him. Rashad Bateman stepped up early. He had three catches for 39 yards. Charlie Kohler, one for 15. Keaton Mitchell, two for 15. And then you have Odo Beckham and Zay Flowers combining for two catches for 21 yards. So not a good day for either of those guys. Odo Beckham actually had a uh, pretty bad drop that – Honestly, it was one of the best throws of Lamar Jackson's career. Odell did not do Lamar any favors, though, and dropped that ball. But they didn't need the receivers. Again, it's not how this Ravens offense operates, where having the receivers around Lamar, it's I don't want to call it a luxury. I don't think that's the word I'm looking for. But it's it's an asset, right? It's another asset that you have where you can run the ball, you can be effective, you can be efficient, but then you can also – pass the ball when you need to, and you can have those receivers that can get open is kind of the route runners that we've been talking about. And in this game, again, Baltimore ran the ball 42 times compared to passing at 24 and led the entire game. They did not lose the lead for the entirety of the game. They were up the whole time and they didn't have to, you know, play from behind and throw from behind and all that, which again, we have not seen them do a lot this year. Now Jamal Agnew for Jacksonville did have a long touchdown where it seemed like it was the first deep touchdown Baltimore's given up all season where, again, the Ravens defense just does not let you beat them deep. And Arthur Millette passed off Agnew, and there was no safety help over the top, so it was a long touchdown for him. But defensively, Kyle Hamilton comes back from that spring game. MCL, does not miss any time. Seven total tackles, has a really solid pass deflection included in there, a tackle for loss, where like, just Kyle Hamilton off the edge, you got to block him. The Jacksonville Jaguars did not block him, and it resulted in a loss, and Kyle Hamilton just shooting down and, and getting – his ball carrier down, which was a great thing. Roquan Smith, six tackles. Marcus Williams, five. You have a bunch of guys with four, a bunch of guys with three. Justin Matabike gets his 12th sack on the season. He has a sack in 11 straight games. 
Talked about it on the live stream. You cannot let that guy go. <laughs> you cannot. If you are the Ravens, you cannot let that guy leave Baltimore. It it's very hard. It's very hard to find consistent interior pass rush. And Lamar Jackson called him baby Aaron Donald. Credit to Spencer Schultz, friend of the show, for coming up with that beforehand. But that he works out with Aaron Donald. He trains with Aaron Donald. He has some of those qualities and capabilities. That's a guy that comes around not very often. So maybe it's a franchise tag situation. Who knows? We'll obviously dive more into that conversation as the offseason comes more about. But we're not in offseason mode right now, as Kaiser Smile would say on this show here. We are in season mode. Let's play the games. And the Ravens certainly did on Sunday against the Jaguars. Brandon Stevens, four tackles, but looked phenomenal. He had one pass interference, which was kind of a phantom PI call, for being honest. I think uh, Calvin Ridley sold a little bit, but. Stevens has looked really, really good. That's a guy, you know, it's, it's too late for the early steal of a Justin Matabike extension. Too late, I should say, for that early steal of Justin Matabike extension. But Brandon Stevens, I would, if I'm the Ravens, I'd be trying to sign him this offseason. I know the Ravens tried with Matabike. He bet on himself. Maybe Brandon Stevens does the same thing. But he was looking good, and he has looked good for the entire season. What a transformation for Brandon Stevens. I'm really happy for him. Marlon Humphrey had a huge hit. So, again, overall, I, I would say the Ravens did a really good job here. Only 3.1 yards per carry for Travis Etienne, who is one of the better running backs in this league. And one of the things I was most impressed with, and we're talking about team stats, is the Ravens' defense held the Jacksonville offense at 3 of 13 on third down. The Ravens go 5 of 12. That's key for them. Plus, in the red zone, this is another big one, the Jaguars go 0 for 3 and the Ravens go two for five. So it wasn't like the Ravens had this great day, as I talked about on the live stream, too. We kind of went over it. But Baltimore did not let Jacksonville get into the end zone when they got down there. It was mistakes by Jacksonville, the Ravens tightening up, and that's kind of what we've seen from them. So the Ravens moved to 11-3 and three here. Jacksonville falls to 8-6. and six. Jacksonville's in kind of a wacky spot right now with a, I think it's a three-way tie between them, the Colts, and the Texans for first place. But they have some soul searching to do. I would if, look if I'm the Ravens, I, I'd be fine with seeing Jacksonville again, especially if it's at MT Bank Stadium. I know that they're dealing with injuries, but look, everybody is at this time of year, and the Ravens certainly no exception to that. Even though, again, haven't had a lot of guys go down for the year with season-ending injuries, but unfortunately for the Ravens, that did happen on Sunday night. We'll talk about Keaton Mitchell, his loss, and what it means for Baltimore's offense moving forward. Coming up next on Locked On Ravens. Stay tuned. First, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. And as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot over on FanDuel right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bills, then winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been betting a and if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. And for the Ravens, if you picked as a likely anytime touchdown scorer, Gus Edwards, anytime touchdown scorer, you're probably living large over on FanDuel. For the Ravens defense, maybe you had Justin Matabike with a sack there. If you picked the over on the Justin Matabike half sack, you could have that as well over on FanDuel. A lot of good Ravens props. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. We're back. It's our final segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Oshaker still talking with you here on this Victory Monday after the Ravens defeat the Jacksonville Jaguars 23-7 in Week 15. And again, I really appreciate everybody for tuning in today. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already here on YouTube and subscribe in audio form if you haven't already wherever you get your favorite shows. We've built up great communities, whether it is 
YouTube, audio form, social media, subtext, the whole nine hours. Be sure to subscribe on subtext too for exclusive text conversation and more insider info there. But it's been awesome. So again, if you're an everyday or first-time listener somewhere in the middle, really appreciate all the support here. Continue tuning in to Locked On Ravens five days a week. This is episode 1141 for me, 1,141 consecutive, no breaks on holidays, nothing of the sort. We do five days a week on Locked On Ravens. But let's talk about the unfortunate event that happened in Sunday's game, which is Keaton Mitchell. On a run, he, I think, I can't remember the exact play. I've seen the replay, but I was more focused on the injury. But he stops, and it's, it's like a weird stop, and his leg just kind of buckles as his knee just goes forward. The replay is so brutal, so gruesome. I usually, again, I've talked about it on the last stream. I usually post some injuries just to say, oh, like this is what happened. We can analyze it. Like, what do you think? And I'm not a medical professional, so it's not like my opinion is medical or anything, but just to say, oh, this is what happened. Looks like this did that. The Keaton Mitchell injury was too gruesome. Like I, I could not bring myself to post it. I just felt like it'd be disrespectful to him and, and his family and everything about it. If I posted that, obviously it's out there. I mean, if you want to go look at it, you can, but it's the picture of the replay it's not fun to watch. I'll say that. So his knee bends in on itself and John Harbaugh announces after the game that he'll be done for the season. It'll be a season ending knee injury. We don't know, at least at the time of this recording, as I'm recording this, I don't know what the actual diagnosis is, but those types of injuries, when you see a replay like that with the way the knee bends in on itself, usually it's at least one ligament, possibly multiple ligaments. So whether it's ACL, MCL, PCL, LCL, whatever it could be, I'd expect Mitchell obviously to miss the end of this season, as John Harbaugh said, but then I could see him missing well into 2024. Could be coming back around this time in 2024, which is just awful because he had so much burst, so much electricity, and now the Ravens have kind of had that sapped from their offense. Not that Lamar isn't, but – the fact of like how are the Ravens going to replace them? Well, part of what made the Lamar Jackson Keaton Mitchell game so dynamic and honestly what made it work is the fact that on read options, you got to account for two guys that can beat you sideline to sideline and can make you miss. And I'm not saying that it's not effective with Gus, not effective with Justice Hill, et cetera. John Harbaugh said they're going to call up Melvin Gordon, who looked better than I thought in his action, but he's no Keaton Mitchell. But with the Mitchell play action, with the Mitchell RPOs and the read options, what you could do is if you're Lamar, you could obviously hand it to him and you got to run to that side. But part of it is you have to, you had to respect Mitchell. Like you, you had to do it. 8.1 yards per carry in this game too. He and Lamar both averaged 8.1. And what that did is it opened up Lamar to just bootleg out and go right in between the tight end and where the slot receiver would be and just cut up that hole and go boom. Now with the Justice Hill, do you respect Justice Hill as much if you're defense? Still got to respect him. He is still playing decently good football, but he's not Keaton Mitchell. He's not as fast as Keaton Mitchell, not as elusive. I say he has a little more power to him, but we've seen Lamar Jackson and Justice Hill struggle on the exchange and the mesh point this year. Has that been fixed? And it's just, it's awful for a rookie in Keaton Mitchell that comes in undrafted out of East Carolina. If you listen to me on Locked On Ravens, you would you would know that I was super excited about it because I had talked about him throughout the whole draft process. He was my favorite target, realistic target for the Ravens, and he was a guy that I thought if he was brought into Baltimore, he could make an impact. And I know a lot of other people thought that same way. Fought through an injury early, obviously missed the first couple games of the season, came back, got injured again, came back, and I mean, was doing, he became the Ravens' first running back. He was the RB1 on the Ravens, and rightfully so. He's somebody that I just feel like 
so much potential. And I'm not saying that he, you know, this is it for him for his career. He's gonna, I'm confident he's gonna come back and be stronger than ever. But he's a guy that I think the Ravens could take advantage of his skill set with, especially with the lack of play or lack of quality play from the offensive tackles right now. I think Keaton Mitchell was able to mask some of the deficiencies that the Ravens offensive tackles have had. And we can talk about that a little bit as well from the game against Jacksonville, Ronnie Stanley and Morgan Moses both get beat pretty early. Ronnie Stanley leaves the game with a concussion. He was being evaluated for, but they had to do the rotation again with Passion McCarry and Daniel Filele coming in for Morgan Moses and Ronnie Stanley at this point. Look, I said it on the live stream. That doesn't scream Super Bowl to me. Like I said it then too. I'm not, I'm not saying they can't win the Super Bowl with it. It's just very unconventional for a Super Bowl team to have something like that so out there, like to have it be that way. You know, we've seen teams have a guy in there for a drive or two, but it is a rotation at this point between Ronnie Stanley and Patrick McCarry and the way that Ronnie Stanley has played this season. I mean, you kind of have to do it. He's just, he's been not great this season. I mean, it's, Crazy to say, kind of unfortunate to say, but he did not look good again against Jacksonville. And the rotation, I think, helps him and Morgan Moses stay fresh as they've been dealing with the injuries. But Keaton Mitchell, you just go, you just, he just flies by. He flies past them. And the fact of the matter is, I think, as I've talked about before, a lot of people saw Keaton Mitchell as this speed guy. Can't do anything else. He can get to the outside. If he can't get to the outside, he's not going to be successful at the NFL level. Well, he was working between the tackles. He was breaking contacts, yards after contact were a big part of his game. And I was really, really impressed with what I saw to Keaton Mitchell. And I'm, I'm just bummed for him. I'm devastated for him. And I, I really hope that he's able to recover from this and come back for his sake, right? Not even for the Ravens or football or anything like that, but just for him. It's a dream for him, right? His dad played for the Ravens and the whole story's been out there. And he's somebody that's, that's worked really hard to get to this point and really made a name for himself and, I saw, you know, multiple Ravens. I think Ryan Ripken said it too, where after one of Keaton Mitchell's long runs, he was asked, oh, who, who's this 34 guy? Like, who is this guy? So he was making a name for himself. And on that Mitchell play where he cuts it, what was it? Put it to the right side, then came back to the left and Lamar blocks for him. I mean, those are the types of plays. Just reverses field, goes all the way around. So they can replace him but they can't replace his speed. They can't replace his elusiveness. That to me is only stuff Keaton Mitchell has in the running back department. They have the shifty elusive guys, Lamar, Zay Flowers, et cetera. But Keaton Mitchell was a very big part of that. So they got to go back to Gus now in, in a running back one role, just as he'll be in compliment. And then Melvin Gordon being, I guess, the change of pace when you want, but that's, that's a downgrade, you know, uh, overall the Ravens lost a really important playmaker here. And with him and Mark Andrews both down for the season, well, Andrews being a really big, the timeline's been very weird for him. But regardless, with Andrews and Keaton Mitchell being down, more guys have to step up. We've seen Isaiah likely do it for Mark Andrews. Can Justice Hill do it for Keaton Mitchell? Can Melvin Gordon do it for Keaton Mitchell? We're going to see what they can do. But the Ravens do clinch the playoffs with a win here. Again, 23-7, to a pretty – it didn't feel dominating, but at the same time, it did. It just felt felt both ways, where Jacksonville couldn't get out of their own way, but then Baltimore took advantage of it. So the Ravens now, they look forward to the Christmas night game against the San Francisco 49ers. That'll be a doozy. It'll be probably one of the games of the year, if not the game of the year. But they took care of business here against the Jaguars, picked up a very important conference win in the process. That's all I have for you here today, though. I'm not on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. Coming up tomorrow, more Ravens content. So be sure to stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.